Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. We're in a series titled Stand By Me. We're in week two. Last week we talked about the biggest reason to abide in Jesus is to relax. We need to relax. If the biggest way to do that is to relax, and so it's never good when somebody tells you to relax, okay, unless... Unless you're a humble person, you can receive it with in good spirit, right? And so relax was point one. Point two is what we're talking about today. This is the big thing about busy. The big thing about busy and the idea of this is you can do anything under um, one condition. You can do anything on the face of earth under one condition that is abide in Jesus. And so John 15, 4 is the uh, foundation for this series. It says this, abide in me and I will abide in you. And we'll jump into uh, a little more depth here. Last week, we shared so much on this scripture, actually taught through this scripture in several different verses. And so if you missed last week, you need to go get that. Um, the story we're using in this series is uh, Mary and Martha. That's Luke 10. <clears throat> Forgive me. Uh, Luke 38, sorry. Rather, Luke chapter 38. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But to abide means this. Abide is, is one of those churchy words. And um, when you think about it, if you've been in, any, in church for any amount of time or period and you've heard the word, you're like, uh, that has something to do with church or religion or I'm out, right? And so here's what the real world definition of abide means. It's to accept or act in accordance with a recommendation, a rule, or a decision. And the second definition is to continue without fading or being lost, to abide, to continue, to be consistent. I was talking to Daryl this morning. Consistency completes everything. So abide is to continue without fading or being lost. And then some of the synonyms, I'm not going to read all of them, but you'll see how we, or how, how God rather, did this. Um, stand by is the last synonym for this. So if you want to know what abide means and you don't want to use the word abide, you can use any of those words. And then um, stand by me is essentially an old movie. And I use that font. It ripped it straight off of the internet. Okay. And so we use that for our artwork, but to stand by. And that's where, that's the whole heart of John 15, 4 is that you would go with God. And so um, the amplified version says, remain in me and I will remain in you. So that means we're going to go together with God. And the big idea is so much of uh, what we face in life is exterior. There's so many things that are going on outside. And the, rea- the reality is all of our success really comes from one thing. We can do anything under one condition is that to abide. So abiding doesn't mean to sit idly by. It doesn't mean to just uh, just essentially take what's given to you. It means resting in the, in the moment. It means resting in the truth. It means resting in the confidence that God is your answer. He is your peace. He is your provision. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so the more that we abide, the more his grace and power transform us into his image. That's the consistency we talked about in our last series, FaceTime. And so there's this quote that kind of got my attention when we were talking about uh, doing this series. And here's what it says. It says, there's no condition of life in which we cannot abide in Jesus. We have to learn to stand by him wherever we are. And so then the uh, Living Bible translation says, live in me, make your home in me, just as I make my home in you. That is what it means to abide. And so last week we talked about relaxing. And today 
Let me reference Luke 10, 38 through 42 really quickly. This is the story of Mary and Martha. Jesus' disciples are coming down, um, coming on their way. They're, they're coming to Jerusalem. Just making sure you guys are paying attention. Okay. <laughs> and they come to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them in. So Martha sees them and she welcomes them in. She didn't have to. She chose to. Her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus. We could end right there. And, and we're not, but we could. And the reality is Mary chose the right thing. Martha's a jittery type. She got busy. She started worrying about all the things she was doing to entertain Jesus. And so then she came to Jesus and said, hey, uh, sir, doesn't it seem that unfair that my sister's not helping me in all this, that she's not being busy with me, that she's not distracted, that she's not, that she's just sitting here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. And he says to her, and this is um, the Living Bible, but some versions uh, like the King James would say, Martha, Martha. So he's like, gets her attention, right? But the Lord says to her, Martha, dear friend, this is some, uh, he's sincere in his response to her. You're upset about all these details, all these external things. But there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it. So it will not be taken away from her. And so last week, relax, okay? And the one thing that we're talking about today is being reverent. And so it's another R word, and pastors do that a lot, right? We like to do stuff with all the same letter because I don't know why. But it happens, maybe for our memory, right? And so today we're talking about being reverent, and reverence another one of those scripture, one of those biblical churchy words where you're like, what, is, what does that mean? And reverent at its simplest form means showing or feeling deep, solemn respect. And so to abide, we must be relaxed. That's last week. Two, this is week two. Every week has one point. There are five weeks to this. So relax is one. Being reverent is two. We're going to show deep or solemn respect. And so the big thing about busy is this. Busy many times does not mean important. It means distracted. We see this with Martha, right? Martha's like, oh man, got these, got, got the disciples in my house. Uh, it's too, by the way, when you see somebody coming and you invite them in, it's too late to clean up right? It's too late. You should, your house should be prepared if you're going to host people. Everybody knows that, right? Martha like does the opposite. She's like ready, shoot, aim, right? And so she's like, hey, come on in here. And then she gets really busy and her busy was just distracted, right? And we all like that uh, excuse of busy. Busy makes us feel good, right? It makes us feel important. And in a way, using the excuse of busy makes us feel uh, accomplished or validated, right? And the root of busy, whether we want to admit it or not, doesn't. It, it comes from a feeling of not being good enough. I'm not good enough to be here as I am, so just let me tell you what's keeping me from being at the mark where I believe I should be, I'm busy. If I wasn't doing all of this stuff, I could be, or I should be, or I would be, right? And we need to uh, recognize and, and understand what the demands are that we have. And, and when we do that, when we identify and we make them known, we're simply just making them known to people so they can excuse us for the lack of what we've put on ourselves. Does that make sense? And so we love the feeling of being busy so much that we set a pace, right? That to keep up with the expectation that we create for ourselves and then we share with the world. Let me tell you how busy I am, right? Let me tell you how busy I am. We love the feeling so we set the pace. We love the feeling of being busy. So we set the pace to keep up with the expectation that we create for ourselves and then we share it. And the hard part is, is we create the demand. We talked about this a little bit last week. We create the demand that we can't keep up with, right? And so we're going to take 
um, we lack or we fail to take time to reflect. And so the big question is, what are you chasing? What is all the busyness equal? What does it get you to, right? And even bigger question is, is all the things that you're chasing right now, will they be worth it in 10 years? Are all the things that's happening right now that, that are essentially keeping you kind of entrenched or entangled with all the, all the details? Mary or Martha, you're so concerned with all these details. When you've bulldozed your way to the top or you've neglected everybody around you, will what you're chasing right now be worth it in 10 years? It's a tough question. Or will it be empty and will you be alone? This question rocked my life, by the way. Um, I got called a bulldozer one time by my pastor. And I, at that time, I was very type A, not healthy in any way, just checking boxes. And when he called me a bulldozer, I was like, yeah, because I get stuff done. And if you're my way, I'm sorry, you're going to get ran over. And that was the wrong approach. It was so wrong. And I'll never forget a couple years after that, after he said that, that came back. And I thought, wow, I hurt so many people in getting stuff done. I was so busy. I was so distracted. And so, and then I realized, wow, I should probably start paying attention to the people who are around me. I should probably be willing, if I ask a question to somebody, to be willing to sit for as long as it takes to have that answer, right? And so what do you see within, uh, what do you see with you in 10 years if you keep working the current plan that you're working? And if you keep running the, the pace that you're running, what do you see in 10 years? Do you see yourself at the exact same place? Say, man, I've just, I was just so busy that I never got to X. This is one of the biggest reasons that the divorce rate is so high because people stay busy, right? And if you've, if you've ever achieved something you set out to do, which I'm sure everybody here has, What's crazy when you actually get the thing done that you work so hard to get done that you put so much time into and you invested so much in is it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. It wasn't what you thought it was going to be. It's crazy no matter what the accomplishment is, the energy was never enough. Like, oh, wow, I just like, I thought this was going to be so much more. I thought this was going to be so much more. And what you see in the story of Mary and Martha is Martha couldn't do enough for Jesus, even though it was her house. It was her house. She still put this on herself that she could not do enough for him. And what you need to see is God created us as human beings. You are, an, you are a spirit first, right? And so you're not a human doing, you're a human being. It's Genesis 2, 7. And here's what it says. Then God formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being, not a living doing. And so many times we get so distracted, so busy that that being word becomes doing and and we have a hard time managing that, right? And so remember, our expectations lead to our frustrations. And when you get there, when you get to what you expected, it's not what you thought, right? This is like when there's, there's this phrase that's like, there are two days, the two great days when you buy a boat, right? The day you bought it and the day you sold it. And every day in between is like regret, right? Well, this isn't what I thought. I got these serviced. I got to store it. I got to winterize it. I got to do all this stuff. You don't think about that when you when you're thinking about cruising out on Horse Tooth Reservoir, right? And so you just make the purchase. In 2009, um, I was coaching football, and we had just got an association. And I have so many friends, by the way, who, who live their life based on winning state championships. If they could just win a gold ball, it would change their whole life. I have friends who have turned to alcoholism and addiction because they have not won. And these are coaches because they've not won a state championship. And so I was kind of in that same boat as a young, oh, 09, I would have been late 20s. 
And we're in the state championship game. We're up 43 to 13. It's not even a game. And there's a couple seconds left on the clock. And I remember going over to my head coach at the time and said, hey, I said, this is it? Like, that's it? And he said, he said, yeah, it's never about this game. It's about getting here. It's just the journey. It's the journey in getting here. It's never about this moment. And I had some little bitty small tears in my eyes because it wasn't real healthy, but I was so upset. I was so disappointed because we had spent so much. You, you put so much into it. I had coolers of monster ice down. We were going to celebrate, and I didn't even drink one. I was just like, this, this, this is terrible. And I immediately thought of all my friends who are chasing this. And I wish that I could, I wish so much that, and, and I have that state championship ring. We've won so many more state championship rings after that. I never got one of them. I never took one of them, never bought it, never received it. Even if they offered to pay for it. And I used that one as a reminder that, man, that's not, that's not what I thought it was going to be. And it sits on my shelf as a reminder to say, hey, man, I need to keep focus of the people in front of me and not the things. Because um, busy doesn't buy peace. Accomplishment doesn't buy peace. Doing does not buy peace. Jesus does. And John 14, one says, your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is heart. This is heart belief, not head knowledge. John 16, 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. You may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. So the song we sang this morning about God's spirit in us means you conquer too, means we conquer too. And the reality is we all have freedom of choice, right? That's why you're not a robot. That's why every, every one of us is not the same. You have the power, you have the freedom of choice, which means God's not going to keep you from anything. So he's not going to keep you from busy or being distracted. And you have the choice to do as much as you want, as fast as you want, as long as you want, period. But in 10 years, when you look back, this is a hard question we asked earlier is, is will all of that be worth it? When you get to that point, you're going to go, hmm, I'm so glad I spent all that time doing that right there. And so what you need to ask yourself is in the end, will it be worth it? And what I hope you see today is everything, regardless of what it is, what regardless of what it is, should be rooted or found in Jesus. We must abide. I believe it's why Romans 8, 6 says, so, let, so then letting your sinful nature control your mind, leads to death. Remember, you're soulish people. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Our body is how we interact with the world. But letting the spirit, letting your spirit, your heart control your mind leads to life and peace. This leads to life and peace. So God is the peace you're looking for. He's the love you're seeking. He is the what you need. And so what we should be seeking or being consistent is, is walking with him, is chasing him. So it's not about how much you do. If it's not rooted in who, then it's going to be off. There's going to be a time period where you're going to go, ah, oh, and there's going to be that dip. Our expectations lead to our greatest frustration. And so if God's not in it, that's probably where your frustration lies, right? And, and, and depending on how far along you are, how mature you are in your walk with God, that probably depends, the depth of your relationship depends how quick you are to judge him or to blame him for the lack of success you have and the thing that you said that you're going to do, that you put his name on, that he didn't do because you said it, right? And so um, when we get to those moments, we kind of start to ask, well, why isn't God helping me? Why isn't God bringing what I need? Um, why isn't God keeping up with my pace? And God didn't create you to run at that pace. 
right? And so if God is never consulted, if God is never invited, how can he be a part? If we run off and leave, if we skip the abide part, and we go, we get to the end or exhaustion or whatever you want to call it, sick, right? Because we run so hard. How can I go back? Oh, hey, oh, Lord. Hey, remember you were going to do this with me, right? Unless he's the beginning of it, right? And so God didn't create you to keep up with you. He created you for community. He wants relationship with you. That starts with abiding, being in a relationship with him. Because busy comes with a price, Busy comes with a big price. If you're taking notes, there's a couple of points for you. It's always going to cost something. You're going to lose focus of what matters most. You're going to lose focus of what matters most when you're constantly busy. You're going to lose direction. Golly, I can't tell you how many times, even in this season, it's kind of hard to be the guy that, that has to be out in front and go, that's what we're doing, and then come back in here and work on it, and then realize, whoa, we're off a little bit. Then you get back out and go, okay, we need to get back here, Right? We talked a little bit about that last week. It's super tough. You lose direction. And all of a sudden, because you've been so busy and you've been going so fast, you're, you're, you're in Estes Park when you need to be in Greeley, right? Even though that should be flipped. And so you lose production. Your numbers start going down because you run so hard. You go so fast, right? You lose production, so more becomes less and busy becomes the excuse. That's when we lose production. We lose relationships. And we lose those relationships because the people that we love the most can't keep up with us. And so we run off and leave them. And then we look back and go, hey, I thought we were, thought we were tight. I thought we were good, right? And then the last thing is you forget human interaction. Your head's down, right? Which leads you to disconnect emotionally and skip caring for anybody because what matters most is the process, not the people. And because of this, a lot of screen time takes place, right? Well, get a, like if you go to the airport, it's insane at the airport how everybody's on something. Nobody's even aware of anything going on around them. I think that's the hardest thing we have to teach our kids right now is like, be aware. We don't do a lot of screen time, but like our kids are unaware of like what's happening right there. I'm like, hey, do you see that? Right? And so people are just, un <laughs> people are just unaware. And so because we're so busy and we stay so connected digitally, right? We suffer lack of sleep. We suffer rush mornings, right? So what stinks about a rush morning is when you wake up, who cares how late? That affects everything else the rest of the day, right? Rush mornings, we have this extreme need for caffeine, right? Where there's more energy drinks. Like I remember when the only energy drink in the face of the earth was Mountain Dew. You guys remember this? And when you had a Mountain Dew, people were like, oh man, you must be tired. You're drinking a Mountain Dew. Now it's like weak sauce, okay? Mountain Dew. Come on, right? Red Bull comes out. And now you go to any gas station and there's like one cooler of sodas with like two Mountain Dews and like 67 energy drinks you can choose from, right? We need more caffeine because we're running at a rate, at a pace that we weren't designed to go. And so here's what technology's done. We would say that we're more connected today than ever before, right? More connected today than ever before. We have 24-7 access to the entire world in our pocket but we're more disconnected spiritually and relationally than ever before. We're more disconnected in our homes than ever before. And we live disconnected because of our doing, right? And we come to a time where um, at the end of our day, our pace slows down just a little bit, right? And when our pace slows down, we get uncomfortable. It's so crazy. We should be more comfortable, 
But our pace slows down, so we get uncomfortable. Well, the moment our pace slows down, we get uncomfortable. What's the first thing that everybody does? No judgment. Oh, nothing's going on. Let me see what's happening here, right? And so when you go here, we check phone, we check email, we check text. Here's what's funny. We feel fake vibrations in our pocket, right? Guys, my ringer has been off for 13 years. I just, I just realized that this week. My ringer has been off for 13 years, but I will still hear a fake ding. Oh, someone texted me. What? No, they didn't. But we still hear fake tones because there has to be something going on. There has to be something going on. This keeps us from being with God. Here's my favorite meme from this week. It's Snoop Dogg. By the way, it's not a sin to show Snoop Dogg in church. If, if you're like in that camp, okay, the fact that you know who this person is, okay? So here's what it says. Me, two minutes after my phone dies, judging other people for being on their phones all the time. It's so good, right? But if my phone was on, I would be on that thing, right? And so we're so busy. We're so busy that when we're not busy, we stay busy. And then this is what ends up parenting our kids, right? And that stinks. And then we struggle to connect with our kids. And our parents, we're not connecting with the kids. They're not connecting with us because we're allowing screens or other distractions to rule, which um, leads all of us, including our kids, to feel alone. It leads everybody to feel like they're alone. And the stats on lonely aren't good. They're not good at all. Lonely leads to negative behavior, which leads to bad mistakes, which leads to bad attitudes, which leads to self-harm and for, in any form that you can think of, including addiction, right? And so what we do in those instances is instead of realizing, hey, this is, this, I have uphill hopes with downhill habits, something needs to change. Instead of doing that, we blame busy, right? Or we blame I'm too tired or I'm getting old. I'm just getting old. I must just be getting older, right? We don't accept to blame ourselves, right? And so there are 24 hours in a day. I think that's what's unique about the one thing that we all have, the even playing field for all of us is there are 24 hours in a day for everybody. Your day means nothing without you. And so you have to really settle on who needs you. Who needs me today? Who needs me today? Not what needs me because there's a long list, right? You have a long list of what needs your attention today. The list of who needs you probably isn't as long. And so you should probably spend your time there. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. The number one who in your life should be Jesus, right? And this eleven twenty eight and Matthew eleven twenty eight is not a negotiation. This is not God going, hey, if you, I will. It's not a negotiation. Come to me. This is a, this is a, almost, this is a command, right? Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. How we perceive that as the human race in 2023 is, I'm going to come with my time frame because I'm busy, right? And I'm probably going to step in that moment with my fist clenched because I've got a lot to do. And the reality in coming, weary and burdened, is to be willing, is to have open hands, right? Willing to receive. This is how, this is how I actually receive Axton. This is how dad receives a son or a daughter, right? Here. So this is how I come into my time. If I'm going to abide, I come in with open hands. Now, here's the thing. We all feel like this. We would all like to receive that. We would all like to feel that. God's waiting to do that, right? And the reality in us feeling that way and not showing it is we have to, don't you know, I've got so much to do, right? And heaven forbid 
someone see that, that I'm tired, that I'm weary. There's this uh, at Mississippi State, um, the strength coach that was at Mississippi State is not Notre Dame, and he would not allow any of his coaches to drink energy drinks inside the weight room because of the message it sent. They didn't have the energy to be there with the kids. And so he's like, you take that and you leave it because what you're sending is you don't have the energy to be here, so how can you expect this kid to be or want to be here either, right? And so then when you show up, even though you're, you want to say we're busy and all this stuff, there's so much that speaks. It's one of the things we're teaching our kids right now is body language. So much speaks what you have, your body language, your facial expression, the tone of your voice, all of it. Even though if you don't want to perceive it, you are because you can't help it. And we're afraid that people won't accept us. But Romans 15, 7 says, God has already accepted you. You're accepted no matter what. And so the good news today is that's the only person in the history of the face of the earth from here until the day you go to heaven that you need acceptance from. There's nobody else, right? And so last week was relax. Here is step two of how to abide in Christ. It's how we stay rooted in relationship. The action step is to be reverent, to be reverent. And remember, reverent means to have high regard or deep, solemn respect. This is the guy who put me on the face of the earth. He knows me better than I know myself. I'm going to come at this time with some respect. So I'm never too good or too busy uh, for God, right? The scripture behind that is Habakkuk 2.20. This is, this is a daily time. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. We in this room represent all the earth. That's all, means everyone. And so we're not going to be busy mentally or physically. We're going to be silent. And some guys, I've told you this story before. For me to learn how to be quiet took me seven months just to sit still and be quiet. And it took me a month to realize I need to engage my physical senses or I'm going to take a nap every time this happens, right? And so remember who you're meeting with. Remember who you're meeting with. Prepare your heart by being still and being quiet. And you're going to let what Habakkuk 2.20 is, why the purpose for this is you let the quiet clear your thoughts. That's hard if you're busy. It's hard if you're distracted, right? And so here are your next steps into being, for being reverent, okay? You know, so well, I'm going to come to this time with God. How am I going to come into that time? It's Psalms 100 verse 4. It says, enter his presence. How do we do that? How do we be reverent? How can I be reverent? Well, you're going to enter into your time with God with thanksgiving and praise. What do I mean? Be grateful. Be grateful. Recognize the things that are good in your life because God says he gives all things that are good. So be grateful for the good. Remember your relationship. That's big. That's, that's thick. My relationship with God, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my kids. Like there's got to be a punch list. There's got to be a priority list in your relationships. If there's not, you should create that. You should put God at the first. It's Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, right? See opportunity and purpose. This is huge. This is huge. See the opportunity and the purpose you have on the face of the earth. See the opportunity you have today and why God put you here, right? Not the people who are in the way or, or the downer Daves in your life or downer Debbies if you don't have a downer Dave, okay? <laughs> we have them all. Pray. We should pray. Pray worship. Get the, these two things right here take the focus off of you and they shift the focus onto God. It's huge. Take time to pray and worship. I'm going to help you out with that here in just a second. And then daily affirmations. This is probably the, the biggest thing. 80% of your self-talk is negative, right? So then how do we flip that? 
How do I stand on the promises of God? How do I walk in the promises of God? And then all of this is a daily discipline, right? Remember those daily disciplines lead to transformed desires. Daily disciplines lead to transformed desires. I'm going to break these down here really quickly. Because we would say, we're going to come in and we're going to be grateful. How can I do that? We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer that's found in Matthew 6. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? On earth, this is in heaven. And so we're going to pray that. We're going to pray thanksgiving. We're going to speak life. We're going to pray life. We're going to thank God for life. We're going to thank God for a heartbeat and for breath. We're going to thank God for the opportunity of a new day. Heather said this morning, so good. Spring's coming. New life is coming, right? You're going to ask God to help you love yourself like he loves you. That's a big deal, right? To see yourself how he sees you, to be who he called you to be. Then you're going to be thankful for yourself. Like there's, you have purpose here, so go ahead and thank God for that. For your wife, for your kids, for your family, for your friends, thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for stability, for provision in your life, for finances. Thank God for the leadership, for the role he's put you in, for the position you sit in, right? So for me, I am praying, I'm thankful that I am a son of God. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a boss, I'm a leader, I'm a coworker, I'm a friend. I thank God for all those, right? Wow, all of a sudden we have a lot of Thanksgiving flowing out and that's really switching our self-talk. Then you're gonna thank God for what you have. What do you have? I don't immediately go, hey, thanks so much for that new Dodge out in the driveway because, man, I love that Dodge. When I fire it up, it makes me feel like a man. Like, blah, 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 okay? So here's how to increase your self-talk. There's a book I'm going to recommend. It's called Crash the Chatterbox. If you've not read this book, it's phenomenal. The author is Stephen Furtick, and it will really help you tackle the negative thoughts that you have inside your head. It's going to help you battle with Scripture. It's really good. And so the first thing you have to do when you're thinking about Everything that you face during the day and how negative it seems to be or how negative you can make it with the way you talk to yourself, you need to flip the script. How we do that is we think it first. And think it is, uh, and this slide will step for just a minute. That's Colossians uh, 3.2. Beautiful. And Philippians 4.8. And just to paraphrase those two scriptures, that essentially set your mind on things above, not below. Think about things that are true, lovely, pure, noble, right, just, lovely. Think on those things. So if we're going to, Ever battle the 80% of the negative stuff in my mind? I've got to think positive, and that tells me what I need to be thinking about, right? Then I'm going to speak those words into action. That's Matthew 12, 34, and, 18, and Proverbs 18. And what that says is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're a spirit first. God called you to be before he told you to do. And so then you're going to let your heart, that scripture we, we reference in Romans, let my heart rule my mind. I'm not going to let my mind Tell my heart what's up. I'm not going to let my emotions rule. I'm going to let my heart rule. So I'm going to speak the words that have been planted in my heart. Right? Out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. And the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love life will eat of its fruit. And so then speak life. And then you're going to believe it. This is locking it back into my heart. This is a heart belief. Right? It's Matthew 12, uh, Matthew 21, 21, and Proverbs 4, 23. And both those essentially tell you, do not doubt. Do not doubt. Your mind wants to doubt. Your heart wants to believe. Let your spirit rule your life. And then you will live it. And living it is Hebrews 11.1 1 and Mark 11.23. And those say, faith is what you hope for. Faith is what you hope for. Faith is the evidence of what is unseen. We walk by faith, not by sight. So if we're going to live it, we're going to live by faith, by a belief in our heart because of who Jesus is, because God created me, Jesus saved me, and his spirit empowers me to roam, Right? And I interact with my five senses as a human being on the face of the earth. And so here are some examples of affirmations. 
God, be the, so we're going to go back to self-talk. So here's, I'm going to go back to think it now. We leave this up here for you in case you need it. God, be the center and the focus of my life, my marriage, my fatherhood, right? My finances, my leadership, be the center, be the center. I want to be in you. Thank you that you're with me, that you're for me because you are. Nobody can be against me today. Nobody. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. So then it's not my talent. It's not my wisdom, right? It's not my strength, but it's God's spirit. It's God's purpose that I succeed, right? It's his spirit in my life that I succeed. So then we're thinking Philippians 4, 8 and 3, 2. I told you that, share that with you. How we lead that is Ephesians 4, 1. So in, in the live it box would be, I lead a life worthy of my calling for I've been called by God. That's Ephesians 4, 1. That's Ephesians 4, 1. And so, well, I need wisdom because I'm ignorant and I'm a man and, and I'm already, like people already think I'm dumb because I'm a man, okay? So here's what the word says. God's wisdom in me provides guidance, insight, and discernment every year of my life. It gives me foresight and understanding concerning all issues that come before me. If I need peace, God is working for me, with me, and in me to fulfill his plan and purpose for my life. God will work all things out for my good is what scripture promises us. That's a belief in your heart. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give you, right? So do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. The world can't give you. Your mind, your self-talk can't give you the peace that I give you in your spirit. If I need health, you speak life about health. There's, there's like seven scriptures here. I will discipline my life so I, that I obtain optimum performance mentally, physically, and spiritually. I make quality decisions regarding my health. God has given me healthy bones, joints, ligaments, tendons, muscles, and organs. All of my systems function properly. I have a healthy heart and the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, not the mind of the world, right? But what, what you consume tends to be what you put out. So you have to stay connected to God, right? Favor, God's favor takes more ability where my own ability and wisdom cannot. God's favor opens doors to me on a regular basis, on a regular basis. God puts me in the right place at the right time. It's, it's him, not me. So I don't have to work hard. I don't have to push. I don't have to get in the turn lane or get in the fast lane to pass this car. This is the pace I should be at, right? And so if, if, um, if you have trouble with your self-talk, with your uh, mind, John 14, 26, but, so John 14, 26 says this, but the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who God sends to me in Jesus' name, shall teach me all things and bring all things to my remembrance. I will remember everything God has said to me. It's got to be planted in your heart first, though. So we can go back to living it, which is 1 Timothy 4.12. I'm going to be an example in word, deed, purity, and faith. I'm going to be a believer regardless of where I'm at, right? And Psalms 119 says, let my actions, this, I love this, this is everyone for me. Let my actions constantly reflect your principles, Lord. So then the big thing about busy is distraction. We talked about being relaxed. We want to talk about being reverent. We're going to come into that time. If I'm going to a body, I want to come into that time, not distracted because busy does not mean important. It means distracted. So the big thing about abiding is one, last week, be relaxed. Two, be reverent. That starts with opening the book. We have to plant the word of God in our heart. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like, 
and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.